This podcast is sponsored by TaskTop, the leading value stream integration solution that makes DevOps work at scale. TaskTop integrates your favorite tools used to plan, build, and deploy enterprise-scale software and enables organizations to deliver better software faster. For more information about TaskTop, please visit infoq.link forward slash TaskTop. Good day, this is Shane Hasty with the InfoQ Culture Podcast. I'm here with Larry Cooper. Larry, you and I know each other well. Most of our audience probably don't. So would you mind briefly introducing yourself? I'm uh, from Canada. Been, I would say, involved in what I call agility thinking as opposed to the agile space. But I've been sort of in the agility thinking mode for for probably uh, longer than I care to remember. And over the past few years, I've been doing a lot of consulting and coaching as well as uh, writing and also training and involved in the training industry. And if you recall, like how we actually met was through IC Agile. And that was like about uh, four years ago. I think it's even longer. Uh, <laughs> when we were putting together, or five years ago, I guess now, yeah, yeah. when we were putting together the, uh, the learning programs around business value management. So just picking up on that that idea of value management, you one of the early authors who's who spoke about that stuff and the the importance of, of yeah. doing the right thing rather than just doing lots of stuff right. Actually, that goes like that, and, and why I say I've been around sort of the agility thinking as opposed to calling it agile. Uh, that actually, for me, goes back uh, twenty years ago. I was uh, when I first left the government of Canada, went out into the consulting space, and got involved uh, with a company. Uh, and the, one of the guys there wrote a book called The Information Paradox, which was around benefits realization, which was really my first introduction to the concept of business value and the fact that everything you did from a business perspective had to deliver some benefits of some kind that were measurable. And the approaches uh, or, or the, the basic practice that was embedded within that was something called the results chain. So it was kind of starting at the end, figuring out, well, where do I kind of want to go? And then working backwards from there to figure out what are the waypoints and what do you need to do to actually get there. Um, so the idea of the big upfront plan, are my thinking for you know way more than twenty years, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 that really got me into that mode of thinking about you know what's the business reason why we want to do something, and and if there's no good business reason or no benefit or no value that that is actually discernible. And, and that you can see along the way. And the way this thing was laid out is you, you actually did things mentally, which was the other part. So this was like about four or five years before Agile Software Development was created. Mm-hmm. And, and even back then, we were thinking in an incremental way yeah. from a business value delivery perspective. Yeah, the ideas of incremental and, and, and iterative have been around decades longer than than the agile manifesto that's for sure yeah that's right that's right <laughs> and the, so the first book that i wrote mm-hmm. uh which you had with me on info q was called agile value delivery mm-hmm. well, to it was beyond the numbers and and the reason for the subtitle was that was around the fact that value is perception like as, as simon Sinek says right mm-hmm. and it, it's but you can also get to shape perception Right, and and that's where the whole concept of understanding where you're going and and sort of working backwards. 
Now, that's an interesting concept. Value shapes perception. But you can shape perception of value, is, right? Okay, yeah. And how you shape it is by how you lay it, how you define it mm -hmm. uh, from it. Like, so, so let me back up. If you start from the perspective of having a strategic vision or strategic intent, right? And so one of the issues is seen with agile in the pure software development space is it starts from the basic assumption that someone has already decided that this product should be built. Mm -hmm. And so what you're doing is you're prioritizing the capabilities or features of the product in, in the delivery side. Of it. So it allows you to build some really good, but who made the decision that this product now should be built, right? And one of the things that in, in software development space, and it's always been one of the challenges about why software development uh, in big projects has always been challenged, is because they tended to focus only on the software and they never looked at any of the other things that might have to happen on the business side. Mm -hmm. So the business process things, the, the, there may be some structural things. Uh, it may require uh, changes in information sources. Most of the, the frameworks and methods and practices uh, that have evolved over the years around Agile in the software development space uh, started start, basically start from the premise that the product that we're building, the decision decision's already been made that this product should be built, but someone else has made it, right? Mm -hmm. um, and as a result, like it, it ends up uh, to the point that you were sort of alluded to before we started the interview, which was business value management, are we building the right things versus the, the, most of the frameworks and practices are rebuilding them in the right ways. Mm -hmm. And so if you take that up a notch to the strategic level and say, you know, at an organizational level, what are, what are, what's our strategic vision of where we're headed and, and why we're going there? Change or enhance that is the reason for doing something, right? And that's how you start to lay down some future vision or, or state and lay down a strategic intent. And it's that laying down a strategic intent that helps you actually figure out which products you should build or which products you should drop or which products you should modify in some way that you already have. But then it gets into a what's a product? Is a product only a piece of software, right? Is a business process a product, <laughs> right? Uh, and, and there's all sorts, you know, in, when you deal in uh, regulated environments uh, or if you're in a government setting, uh, sometimes before you can do things, you need a legislative change mm -hmm. or inside of organizations, they need to change their policies to accommodate certain things. And if you just go straight off onto software development, you miss all these other things that are around it that are required to also be done in consort with the products that you're developing. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and it's often the things that aren't done like that, mm -hmm. that actually are the things that uh, end up causing the perception of the value uh, to not be what it could be mm -hmm. because these other things weren't done. So therefore, even though it may have been a, a really great product for the organization, but 
it didn't realize its full potential because of all the other things that weren't done that needed to be done as well to make it a successful implementation and, and use, right? Mm. So that so the the that's the part that uh, I find is now what's happening, and this is kind of where we were starting. So now what I'm finding is happening is that the executives are starting to figure out that you know they need more adaptability in the organization. They're seeing the stuff that's happening over there in the software development space and saying, you know, they seem to be doing some things right, but they're also starting to recognize that these practices aren't the only thing that's needed, mm. right? And one of the things that's happened as a result, and, and this is kind of the why I got into the book series. So we started mm -hmm. talking about different types of agility, right? Mm -hmm. So in, in the first book, I talked about agile value delivery. So I'm talking yep. about delivery agility or value agility. And I was actually, uh, how, the, how the series came about, I was putting together a course uh, as an intro to agility for executives. And as I was sitting there thinking about what I would put into the course, uh, I was going like, most of what I had seen in these types of courses was essentially an introduction to Scrum. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I kind of went like, I think there's enough of that around. I don't need to do mm -hmm. another one first of all, uh, but also I thought there was a gap. Mm. And, and where I thought there was a gap was because giving someone an introduction to Scrum doesn't talk about organizational agility, it doesn't talk about mm. business agility, it doesn't talk about strategic agility, it doesn't mm. talk about leadership agility. So there's all these different types of agility. Mm. And I, so I thought that's what I would talk about in the course, so mm. that's what I did. Mm -hmm. And when I got finished and delivered it, I was sitting there one day thinking about it and I thought, you know, there, there's probably something here <laughs> that mm -hmm. can be explored a little bit further beyond mm -hmm. just a, a, a one day course. So that's where the idea for the book series came about. Yep. And uh, what I also decided after having done the first one was with that one, the, the first book on, on value, Agile Value Delivery, mm -hmm. uh, I kind of knew before I sat down to write what mm -hmm. it was going to be. Yeah. I more or less had it all worked out in my head. It was just a question of, you know, sitting down and putting it on paper. Yeah. And when I started this one, the first thing I realized, well, there's too many topics for mm -hmm. one person. Mm -hmm. um, and it would be, uh, you know, almost pompous of me <laughs> to sort of, you know, say that I could sit there and I could write about all this stuff by mm -hmm. myself, just by ideas. Yeah. Uh, so it's one thing to have the idea of it, it's another thing to put enough ideas around all these different topics. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was where in, in someone I met uh, named Jen Hunter mm -hmm. uh, at a conference here and we started talking and she had a little tool for how you can uh, ask people open-ended questions, mm -hmm. uh, then look for the ideas uh, and themes that, are, that, that come out of those ideas and uh, to, to sort of coalesce around uh, a common understanding or shared understanding of what it meant. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what I decided to do for the book series is to take that approach. And so then we we're going like, well, who are we going to ask these questions mm -hmm. of? <laughs> <laughs> right. So I started reaching out to people in my network and uh, you being one of them mm -hmm. uh, and, and Rod Collins and, and who uh, was actually one of the original people that I met at IC Agile back in 2013. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so reached out, a uh, bunch of people agreed, 
called them the Wisdom Council, <laughs> and uh, started asking questions. So the first book we did was on leadership, the second or organizational uh, agility rather. The second one was on leadership, mm-hmm. um, and and that's how we kind of got started. Now okay. the interesting thing about it is, when we do the questions, uh, I have no idea what I'm going to get back. Yep. In terms of content, right? Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. it's it's basically react, you know, to what you get, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so we then sit down, we look at those ideas, we look for the the themes that are there, and we go back, and we don't know what people are going to do with that. So when I start the book, I actually have no idea what it's going to contain. Cool. Versus the first time, I knew exactly mm-hmm. what I was going to do. Now when I start a book, I literally have no idea where it's going to go mm-hmm. by the time mm-hmm. we get to the end. Mm-hmm. So every single book is a bit of an adventure. That's cool. But you've got a goal in mind. The goal was to try and provide some clarity around what these different types of agility are. Mm-hmm. If, if you go on the internet and you type in leadership agility or strategic agility and so on, you get tons and tons of hits. Yeah. And, right, thousands, mm-hmm. tens of thousands in some cases, right? Mm-hmm. However, when you start reading it, everybody's got their own interpretation of what mm-hmm. it is, right? And the other thing is, if the people who are talking about organizational agility aren't talking necessarily talking about leadership or strategic, mm-hmm. or learning agility or cultural agility or mm-hmm. and so on, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of pieces of things out there, mm-hmm. but there's no sort of coherent story mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. it. And so part of what I wanted to do was to see if going through this exercise that we could start start to see some commonality that would emerge mm-hmm. uh, throughout the books mm-hmm. uh, in terms of there's there's some common threads of things that keep popping up mm-hmm. right across these different things. Mm-hmm. And it's, it was also to try and understand was what's actually different about them as well. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that was the other part. So what's common, mm-hmm. what may be common, but also what may be a little bit different about each type of agility mm-hmm. uh, and how, how do all these things kind of play together. Right. So you've got the organizational agility, leadership agility, you've got agile value delivery. So the, we're starting to get a good picture here and some, some ideas coming up. One of the things that intrigued me was you were talking about the next one in the series being cultural agility. What do we mean by that? So most people, uh, when you talk about agile and culture, they, they think agile culture. So they put agile first and culture after Right, and so what they're talking about is, you know, is kind of a, a measure or an indicator of how well you are living uh, values and principles of agility. Mm-hmm. Right, that's kind of what they're getting at, mm-hmm. and and that's kind of important for sure. But what's kind of missing in that, and and what that sort of leads to, is, is a certain amount of homogeneity, mm-hmm. right, in, in the sense that it, it sort of expects everybody coming into that organization to behave in the same way and to think the same way, right? Because we're, we have these common values and principles of that, that sort of, you know, had its genesis in the manifesto for agile software development. So when you talk about agile values and principles, that's what most people think about, right? Mm-hmm. And, and those things are good, but when you look at modern society, it's very difficult to walk into almost any organization anywhere these days where you won't find people from all sorts of different backgrounds. 
whether it's religious, racial, ethnic, country, what language, mm -hmm. whatever, right? It's all these very, very different backgrounds. And an agile culture doesn't necessarily give them a sense of in, being of inclusiveness, mm -hmm. of being included, that their perspectives are valued, that mm -hmm. their perspectives are, are, you know, one, one of the things they, that, uh, you know, Canada kind of prides itself on is its diversity, mm -hmm. right? But there's, in, in, in most of organizations though, it's just, it's an acceptance of who you are, mm -hmm. but it's not necessarily an inclusion of your perspectives. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that, we're, that I was trying to figure out is, so what is cultural agility? So it's the ability to understand multiple, multiple local contexts and work within them to obtain consistent business results. For today's global organizations, cultural agility is a new competitive edge. While individual capacities are important, successful organizations build an institutional level of a global mindset and skills for effectively coordinating, negotiating, and influencing across boundaries. Uh, and so what we're talking about is sort of the cross-cultural mm -hmm. uh, circumstances. Mm -hmm. So organizations now, so when you're in your local setting, you can have people from different cultures in your organization. When you're a global organization, you operate in multiple different settings in different countries, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And one of the challenges for a lot of global companies is when they go in, is resisting the urge to simply try and make the local look like where they came from, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? And if they do that, then yeah. they're really not drawing on the strengths and the mm -hmm. capabilities and the perspectives and all these different things that exist in that local mm -hmm. uh, group, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but when you have it inside of your own organization and it's in a, in a single geographic area, you know, we, we talk about drawing on the collective wisdom and the collective intelligence of a group, but uh, this is about making that a bit more visible and a bit more uh, engaged, a bit more inclusive. One of the things I've seen organizations do is, 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 is we, is we, get, we pay lip service, we, we embrace, we're, we're a diverse organization, we respect, we, we, we want the yeah. diversity, but make sure you think like we do. Yes, and that's the difference between agile culture and cultural agility, because agile culture is about, you know, being adaptable to the problem set, mm -hmm. right? You know, the, the problems we're trying to solve, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're being inclusive of the different perspectives based on different backgrounds. Mm. That's a hard shift to some it's, people. It's, it is. It is. One, one of the other books that I, that I kind of actually been kicking around, and the, the, the working title I have for it is The Adaptability Code. Mm -hmm. And the subtitle to it is Changing the Stories, Holding Back People and Organizations. And so what I'm getting at there mm -hmm. is in every different culture, we all have these stories mm -hmm. that are part of our culture or part of our family situation that we grew up in. Mm -hmm. Simple examples are things like, uh, you know, if, if you, depending on the circumstances you grew up in, so if your parents weren't that well off, your concept of what's expensive, mm -hmm. right, was set at a very early age, right? Mm -hmm. and, and it's something that you care, literally carry with you for your whole life. Mm -hmm. It's a very 
it's one of those little things that is very difficult to overcome, mm -hmm. right? Mm. Okay, it ends up being the way you kind of start thinking about it is like, well, this is the way I am, right? This is this is kind of who I am, and you don't realize that in your subconscious, there's just this thing in your subconscious mind that's holding you back, mm -hmm. and it's based on this story from your childhood, right? You know, uh, one from uh, that I that I'm actually using in the book is from my own childhood, and it was sort of an interesting thing where I was only about five years old four or five years old and my mother had uh, you know done laundry she had it in the room you know she asked me to carry it into another room mm -hmm. and it was just a pile of clothes on a chair right mm -hmm. and so what do you do when you're five years old you try and get everything into your arms you try and carry it all at once right so you get like you know a foot something drops you stoop down to pick it up put it in the pile you get another foot something <laughs> drops off you keep doing it right mm -hmm. so she just, she just stood there and looked at me and she goes you know, more hurry, less speed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, it was just one of those things that I don't know why, but like that stuck with me my entire life, that little more hurry, less speed. Mm -hmm. And when I sort of think about how I actually think about agility and adaptability and those kinds of things, mm -hmm. that's actually kind of part of it. When I think about mm -hmm. architecture mm -hmm. and those kinds of things, you know, sometimes taking that little bit extra to kind of think about kind of what are we, you know, why are we doing this again? Mm -hmm. We don't know why we're trying to do something, mm -hmm. right? Then it's very easy to get distracted and, mm -hmm. and to try and, you know, jump in. Traditional project management, mm -hmm. where the reason it, it sort of falls into this uh, human tendency mm -hmm. that we need to get started, mm -hmm. right? Yep. So, you know, they jump straight to doing work breakdown structures mm -hmm. and all those kinds of things. So let's get started. Mm -hmm. Right, mm -hmm. and but anyways, I'm a little off factor. Mm -hmm. But uh, for cultural agility, a lot of it has to do with or or, or these stories that we carry around from mm -hmm. our childhood, but also inside of organizations, we have these organizational stories, mm -hmm. right? And the organizational stories are things like, well, that's not the way it's done around mm -hmm. here, or that'll never work here, or you know, whatever, right? And you know, is that really true? And, mm -hmm. and people end up not doing certain things or mm -hmm. trying certain things mm -hmm. because they believe, well, that's just not how this place works, yep. right? And that's a story, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We can rewrite those stories, mm -hmm. right? We, we can create new stories, mm -hmm. right, and, and change things. Mm -hmm. So when you start talking about culture and cultural agility, so whether it's an agile culture or, you know, mm -hmm. on the other side of cultural agility, uh, it's it's all about these different stories mm -hmm. uh, in my mind. So it starts with, you know, when we uh, think we're including people or, you know, and, and maybe we're not, mm -hmm. but part of why we think that is because of these stories from our own background. Mm -hmm. and, and because this is how we've in, we were taught to include people. Mm -hmm. But maybe that's not how these people need to be included. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're, they don't see it that way. Mm -hmm. Right, but that's just something that, that we carry and we don't really understand or, yeah. or realize that that's what's happening. And the other book that you got coming in the series is on business agility. What what would you, you distinguish between organizational and business agility? Well, it was sort of interesting because when when I started, the, the first big choice was which one do I start with? Mm -hmm. The way I had when I when I put together the course. 
the way I had sort of explained it was that when you have all of the other types of agility, then what you end up with is organizational agility. It's the result. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Now, the challenge, though, <coughs> would be how would I then explain all the others if I had no context? Right. So what's my context, right? Mm -hmm. It's back to the organization. So I felt that's where I had to start. So for me, organizational agility is what you get when you get everything else. Mm -hmm. Business agility, uh, to me, it's more of an operational view mm -hmm. of the of the day to day, mm -hmm. and and it's like, you know, how are how can we become more responsive and aware mm -hmm. and adaptive to what's actually occurring right now, mm -hmm. and and how does that influence, you know, even though we may have laid down strategic intent and and we're kind of heading in that direction. But we have to be receptive enough to know and detect when things are actually happening mm -hmm. that can cause us to revisit our strategic intent. Mm -hmm. And that's where business utility comes in. It's, it's we're not just going blindly into the night, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. we, we, we're, we're aware of where we're going, mm -hmm. but we also have our, our sensors in place to determine whether or not, yeah, we need mm -hmm. to make adjustments along the way, right? Mm -hmm. So a strategic intent is not a statement of fact. <laughs> it, it's a statement of, of where we think we're going. Intent. But, right. So business agility is, is to me more operational and day-to-day, -day, mm -hmm. and it's making those adjustments. So whether it's in a project sense or it's in a business operation sense, mm -hmm. you know, or it's responding to things like cyber threats, that, mm -hmm. that's business agility. You've been doing some work in the in government space trying to help them bring these ideas of organizational agility and business agility into the way governments are working in, in both Canada and the USA at the moment. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so there's an organization called the National Foundation for Public-Private Collaboration, which was spun out of uh, the U.S. Department of Defense. Originally, what they had done was they looked at all of the things around the service management space and they extracted all of the how to leave it with the what it is. Mm -hmm. One of the, the, the challenges that they realized they had was, you know, while it was fairly easy to do with that space, when you start looking at uh, cyber resilience and as well as, you know, portfolio and program management and things like that, while they, they realized it was relatively, you know, it was a lot of work to do what they did, but they also realized that once you started bringing in cyber resilience and portfolio and program management, those kinds of things, that this was beyond their capacity. Mm -hmm. And the other part about it was is that they, they, they wanted to engage more of the private sector mm -hmm. in the conversation as well. Um, so they felt the best way to do that was to spin it out from the DOD. So, they, they, so a not-for-profit was created mm -hmm. uh, to do this. Mm -hmm. So I was engaged through one of my contacts at Axelos, mm -hmm. and they were, the NFPPC was looking for someone with a background in portfolio and program, as well as uh, Agile, mm -hmm. and uh, so they, they uh, suggested that they talk to me. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I got started a few months ago. And so now what we're doing is we're looking at going from back to the, the notion of strategic intent and strategic vision. So how do we have a line of sight between you know, something we would like to do all the way through to where it's actually getting delivered operationally and being supported operationally. How do we include things like cyber resilience? 
and things like that. So as part of that whole set of conversations, we started mm -hmm. talking about the fact that organizational sustainability and organizational resilience is what it's really about. Mm -hmm. And in fact, one of the uh, in the organizational agility book, one of the things that we, we talked about was the fact that a trait that's exhibited by organizations that are uh, that have organizational agility is that they're sustainable mm -hmm. over the long run, mm -hmm. right? And the reason they're sustainable is because they're adaptable. So, you know, when you talk about sustainability and resilience, it's like we don't implement cybersecurity or that's, you know, it's not something we do as separate from everything else. So while people talk about cyber resilience, yes, but if you come at it the other way and say, you know, if we have organizationally got ourselves to the point where our, you know, our people, everyone inside the organization are operating from the same shared set of values and principles that make the organization sustainable and resilient, then guess what? Those same sets of values and principles that achieve that are the same ones you need for, for achieving cyber resilience as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so it becomes a, adaptable to the... It, it, it just becomes an, an obvious, this is how we do it, and it's just part of what we are. Yeah. Exactly, right? Mm -hmm. And and so that was sort of the, the perspective that we're taking to it. Mm -hmm. uh, so we've reached out to, you know, some of the the other organizations in the space. Uh, what we want to do is, you know, to be inclusive of the what around things like Scrum, around DevOps, all those mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, most people look at the service management space, they think ITIL, mm -hmm. they think it's all waterfall. Mm -hmm which was mm. actually kind of never really intent of it. And, you know, all like what DevOps does is it sort of operates in that space between the, the development side of the house and the operation side of the house as to how things transition. Mm. So it's around release and deployment and change and configuration management and those kinds of things. Mm. The fact that you can automate all of that doesn't mean you're not doing mm. service management, right? Mm. Uh, and so the things that we're starting to talk about and explore are around you know, well, if you talk about security that way, well, maybe we have SecOps, mm -hmm. right? Security ops, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? In the same way mm -hmm. that we have DevOps for the functional side of things, that we look at security the same way. Mm -hmm. um, so we're working with uh, NIST and their cybersecurity framework and all of that. Mm -hmm. uh, so they're very engaged with us on, on that part of it. Um, so we're, we're trying to look at if we strip the, and one of the, because one of the challenges that the IT industry has always had, and it's made it very difficult for the business side, is we have all these different things out there, all these different competing organizations that are pushing their version of whether it's portfolio or program management or project management or DevOps or Scrum or something else. And they're kind of left wondering. You know, and, 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 and the fact is, is in, in a lot of cases, they all sort of operate from the premise of trying to present themselves as having the answer. Mm. And of course, there's no single answer. Mm. Scrum is fantastic. I love it. Use it. But it's not the only thing we need, mm. right? That's why scrum.org and, you know, the DevOps Institute have gotten together. They, mm. they recognize that mm. there's, there's more. Uh, and, and there's also all the portfolio and program stuff. So what we're trying to do is to try and weave sort of the, the holistic story mm -hmm. that goes all the way from strategic intent to how things are operated on a day-to-day -day basis and how it's supported. And, mm -hmm. and just talk about the what of all that. Mm -hmm. You know, how you do it, that, that'll change by organization. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, 
how we do things have changed or are different now than they were five years ago. They'll be different five years from now, mm -hmm. right? What doesn't fundamentally change though is what we have to do, mm -hmm. right? The how can, can can keep changing, but what we have to do doesn't fundamentally change. So that that's kind of what what that's all about. And so as a result, well, not as a result, but also uh, in the government of Canada here, mm -hmm. uh, they're uh, starting to recognize that you know, the way that they've been doing things and running these big projects isn't working. Uh, they need to move towards having more agility, more adaptable approaches. Uh, so the new CIO is very definitely uh, of that mindset as well. So we've started uh, engaging with a group called the Institute on Governance to talk about, you know, what does that mean at the executive level? It's a, it's a very big shift in thinking it's a very big shift in approach it's 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 not going to be easy it's going to be scary for some people uh, as they kind of make that transition so it's about getting everybody onto the sort of the same page as to what what all this stuff is and so that they can understand the what of it all how it gets implemented in any given sort of department or agency or project or program or portfolio whatever really doesn't matter so much as much as uh, it is that they all have a shared view of what adaptability and agility is all about, <laughs> right? And, and moving in that direction. Some great food for thought here. Uh, any final advice for our technologist audience? I guess the one, one of the things is, is that all things change eventually, mm -hmm. right? So if you're in an organization where they're not changing fast enough, it, the, the, the one of two things will happen there, right, is they, they will learn to be adaptable or they won't survive in the long run. The other thing about the all things change is that the approaches and frameworks and methods and practices and stuff that you use now won't necessarily be the ones that you use five years from now because that can change as well. And one of so it, it's interesting to me to see some of the within the agile space, how some people have become very attached to their frameworks. Mm -hmm. There was a tweet that I saw a year or so ago where someone wrote, we're agile, except when it comes to our practices. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Right? Uh, and, the, the and so dogma. that's one of the things I would leave for, for people in, in the technical side of things is like, you know, if, it, you know, the practices you're using now, uh, you know, you, you need to be looking at whether or not they're working for you or if they're complete uh, and, and what do you need to add to it. Uh, there's no one practice, there's no one framework. Like, and, and that fundamentally was how the IT industry got itself into the mess that it was in with the silos because mm -hmm. you know the, the BA groups, well, they had their thing, the project management groups, they had their thing, the, the operations group, they had service management, and they all saw, you know, each one of these things as being distinct and separate mm -hmm. and as a result the business suffered mm -hmm. right because they're, 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 it wasn't focused on delivering anything of real value it was just mm -hmm. focused on implementing processes mm -hmm. right the process became more important or the practice became or the framework became more important than what you're actually trying to deliver for the business mm -hmm. so that's that's what I would challenge them to do is to kind of look at what they're using in that sense and say, is this thing whole? 
mm-hmm. what else is is required around it if you're if your organization is not doing DevOps yet, why not start asking? Mm-hmm. You know, why aren't we connecting these things together? It's not good enough to just create great products if it takes us six months to get them deployed. Mm-hmm. It's not good enough to create great products if we created them in the wrong order mm-hmm. because we, we didn't come at it from a strategic perspective. So that's how we would challenge them. Excellent, Larry. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today. <laughs>